Welcome to Biota.org Interviews. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Jonathan Klein, the creator of the Brevet development. Jonathan, for people not familiar with your background, can you please uh, give some introduction and how you got interested in artificial life? Well, I've been working with uh, artificial life in some form, and artificial intelligence in some form, for a number of years, uh, starting with my undergraduate work at Hampshire College. Uh, I continued afterwards doing some work with biology and started to get thinking on sort of general environments for simulating artificial life and then uh, went back to school for a master's degree at uh, Chalmers University where I developed this project, uh, the Brevet Simulation Environment. For people not familiar with Brevet, I know it's relatively complicated for, for a new user, but if you could give some discussion to what it is and how it's developed. The goal behind Brevet was to uh, allow people, maybe not familiar, intimately familiar with programming, to develop sort of advanced artificial life simulations. Um, there have been a lot of great and interesting artificial life simulations out there over the years that have been sort of uh, difficult to get into and to work on because they require a lot of uh, a, a large foundation of programming or uh, a lot of tools. So the goal behind Brevet was to sort of collect a bunch of features together in one place that people could use to very quickly develop advanced artificial life simulations. So some of the features that it includes, for example, are uh, integrated physical simulation and the 3D world. It includes support for things like collision detection and all sorts of uh, sensors and interactions between agents. So the idea was to build all of this stuff into one place so that people wouldn't have to redevelop all this entire foundation to, uh, to develop an artificial life simulation. When you came to initially developing Brevet, how did you lay it out? What was your thinking in terms of putting the various components together? And did you start with a kind of rich structural overview, or did it kind of evolve over time? Um, it kind of evolved over time based on, if I go way back, it was sort of based on uh, projects like, in fact, Logo and um, Star Logo, which was around at the time. Uh, these are Star Logo in particular is a similar environment, sort of in spirit, but it's kind of a different implementation. Um, Star Logo is meant obviously uh, for development of multi-agent systems, but it doesn't have things like support for uh, 3D worlds and sort of continuous uh, behaviors in space. So when it came to developing Brevet, um, I, want, I mimicked a number of ideas from that environment but wanted to add in uh, a lot of features for more advanced simulation. So one of the features which I really liked about Star Logo and tried to work into Brevet was the fact that it's an entirely integrated environment. Um, the fact that the language that you write simulations in is built into the software, which means that when you make changes to the program, you see them right away, uh, as opposed to an environment which requires you to recompile a program and then launch it separately. In terms of the diversity of Brevet users, I know you got a, a DARPA grant with the military, and a wide variety of A-Life projects seem to either be represented in the source code or could easily be ported to Brevet. Can you talk about the, the diversity of users that Brevet has? When I first developed Brevet, I had a couple of very specific artificial life projects in mind, the types of things that I wanted to develop, to develop with Brevet, uh, and that includes um, Carlson's Creatures, most, uh, most directly, also uh, Larry Yeager's 
poly world. I really wanted an environment that would uh, let people compose these sorts of artificial life simulations. Uh, somewhat to my surprise, of course, you know, when people picked up the software, uh, these weren't always the type of, types of projects that people came up with. So over the years, it's been used for uh, a number of things, for art projects and sort of uh, uh, installation art pieces. It's been used for uh, military types of simulations. We've done some projects uh, with that military grant on uh, evolving behaviors for unmanned aerial vehicles. People have used it for biological simulations. People have used it for development of uh, music composition environments. And most recently, over the past couple of years, uh, through uh, my sort of continued work with Hampshire College, it's been used in uh, an, educa an ed educational setting more often. In terms of the transition of Brevet from an academic project to a hobby, back to an academic project, back to a hobby, can you give some discussion of these various transitions and, and how the project has evolved through them? Uh, as I said, I started off uh, as my... Started, the seeds of the projects came from my undergraduate work uh, at Hampshire College where I was working with artificial intelligence, and that's where the idea for it came. Uh, but it wasn't until I was actually out of school there that I began to do the actual work on it and develop it into uh, you know, an actual environment. So over the years, it's sort of gone into academia and out of academia a couple of times, and each time it's sort of changed a little bit. Um, and most recently, now that it's sort of come back out of academia again, I'm finding that I'm interested in other types of applications. I'm really interested in the, uh, the artistic and the educational applications of it now, um, more than just the sort of simulation of artificial life aspects. Now, Brevet is made of a number of components, and certainly there may be potential for users, uh, expert users, to want to use particular components, Steve, for example, or perhaps the physics rendering, or things of this nature. What capabilities are available for people to take components of Brevet for their own development? Well, for starters, it's entirely open source, so people are um, welcome to sort of take apart any pieces that they're interested in, um, although that's with open source projects, that's not always uh, trivial. So the, the source code right now is divided up into these sort of various, these various areas that people can adapt for themselves. Um, but it's actually an important goal for me to, uh, to develop that further and make these parts more modular. Um, in particular, the Steve language, which for people who don't know, it's the language in which Brevet simulations are written, and it's a the language that I wrote specifically for Brevet, uh, that language I developed to be something, to, to be easy to write artificial life simulations in. But over the years, what I've learned is that even if I think it's a great language for writing artificial life simulations in, it's not necessarily uh, the type of language that people are used to uh, or have any experience with because it's unique to this project. So what I've come to realize is that uh, it would be very useful for people to be able to write simulations in other languages that they're more familiar with, even if those languages aren't developed specifically for artificial life. So that's, that's something I'm actively working on. In terms of additional features, looking at it, there are things like uh, more complex landscapes, perhaps different physics, lunar landscapes, things of this nature. Are these features that you're thinking of adding in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, as I said, 
said before, the another part of the goal is to make everything more modular so that these things can be integrated more easily. Uh, again, the, the biggest feature that I'm looking at is expanding the way that people will be able to interact with the simulations. Um, so that means uh, you know new languages such as Python or Java front ends or um, new ways to sort of package up the simulations and let other people run them. I noticed the most recent release of Brevet made reference to Logo in terms of the, the new graphics that you're adding, the Turtle graphics. Can you give some discussion to your uh, background interest in Logo and how important it has been in developing Brevet? Sure. Um, the, as I mentioned before, the, the project, the, the first seeds of the project really came out of uh, uh, from the Star Logo project and from uh, reading uh, I think Mitchell Resnick's book on on Star Logo and on multi-agent systems. Um, and so over the years, you know, it's developed in sort of a different direction. But what I find recently over the past couple of years is with the interest in education and with the interest in using Breve uh, for art, for artistic applications, uh, I'm really interested in bringing back in some of the features of the logo, uh, namely the extreme ease with which people Know, non-experienced programmers can write simulations or, you know, create images, um, and again, the sort of integrated nature of the environment that that people can just sort of pick it up right away. You're a member of Graytham. For people not familiar with Graytham, can you please uh, give some background to it? Uh, Graytham is a group in Boston of artificial life enthusiasts, and we've been uh, meeting a couple of times every month just for uh, general artificial life discussions. Uh, we're in the process right now of trying to expand the group even further. We feel like there are a lot of people in the Boston area who would be really interested in artificial life and its applications with so much, uh, so much biology industry here, biotechnology, and so many academic institutions. So uh, people who are interested in learning more about the organization can look at uh, greatthumb.org. In terms of having a physical group that gets together and meets, I know you've worked in collaborations, you've worked over the internet, but what benefits do you get in actually having a, a, a regular physical meeting with people? What we're trying to do uh, with our meetings, or one of the things we're trying to do, is really get people involved in each other's projects and you know, get involved in collaboration. Um, and the difference between doing that in person versus over the net is that... Um, you know, there are a lot of great projects out there, but some of them can be sort of unapproachable because they require, you know, intimate knowledge with certain kinds of systems. So I'm finding that the face-to-face -face approach really allows somebody to introduce their project to other people uh, in, a, in a much more approachable way than just uh, browsing at a website. Uh, and that's actually feedback that I've gotten about Breve is that, Sometimes people just looking at the website maybe uh, have trouble understanding what it is or how they could use it, but when you actually get to sit down with somebody and show them and you know, answer their questions directly, uh, people are a lot more interested in getting involved in other people's projects. An interesting aspect of Brevo that we haven't yet touched on is the screensaver that you have for the Macintosh. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss how that has encouraged new interest in A-Life and the feedback that you've received from having a screensaver? The screensaver was sort of unexpectedly, uh, I guess, 
personal feedback, that screensaver actually got more people back to Noble Ape, and I think it had a cumulative effect on the artificial life community. So, as an aside, I'd like to thank you for the screensaver. And I think it's a powerful way, actually, to get artificial life projects out to a a very passive audience. And as I I mentioned before, I'm I'm more and more interested in the artistic applications of artificial life these days, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, seeing other projects of the same kind. What more would you like to see with the broader A-Life community? Um, I would like to really see... I would like to see A-Life as a field um, sort of be taken as seriously as things like biology and uh, the other fields and the other fields that sort of surround artificial life. I feel like artificial life has a tremendous amount to offer uh, to computer scientists, to, uh, to biologists, to people study uh, social interactions. There are all sorts of areas that artificial life uh, touches on, but uh, people who aren't familiar with it don't necessarily always get it, and it seems like something that's really fringy to a lot of people, but I think uh, there's a lot of work in artificial life that isn't fringy at all. It's you know downright practical, so <laughs> I would like to, to, see, to see a wider acceptance Well, thank you very much for the the opportunity to interview you. Thank you very much. That concludes our biota.org interview with Jonathan Klein. You can find Jonathan's project, Breve, at spiderland.org slash breve. That's S-P-I-D-E-R-L-A-N-D dot org slash B-R-E-V-E. If you're interested in being interviewed for these podcasts please get in contact with me, tom at nobleape.com. That's T-O-M at N-O-B-L-E-A-P-E dot com. I'd also like to recommend that if you're not a member of the biota.org mailing list, it is a useful source of getting information uh, aside from these podcasts. If you're interested in a little more on me and why I'm doing these podcasts, my own project, Noble Ape, has a podcast, Ape Reality, Uh, which gives some intimate insight in the kind of developments and day-to-day musings of an A-Life developer. 
You can get to that podcast through the biota.org pages. At the very bottom, you'll see a link to my Noble Ape simulation, and below that, you'll see the link to the Ape Reality page, which will get you more information on receiving the podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in to biota.org interviews. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.